are you ready to go bananas? Yes. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yep, I thought you were going bananas. bananas. Uh, I want to take you with me. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, um, should we get the embarrassing information out of the way? I don't know if I have any embarrassing information. No, my embarrassing Your information. Your embarrassing information. I don't want okay. you to hold anything against what we're, we're going through this. Okay. Um, yeah. Sure. Who was your flower boy? My... <laughs> 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 First of all, you can't call me Auntie Alia, please. Very old, <laughs> because there is no age difference between us. So, anyway, you threw some flowers at my wedding. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and you are good. I can't believe we're you doing did this. Very yeah. well. Thank you so much. Thank you. I had yeah. no training. I think. Yeah, at that know. time you were shoved into it. Actually, yeah, yeah, you had yeah. no choice. I wow. had no training, no choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have a lot of blackmail photos for that. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, babe. Um, I'm, so what I'm interested in doing for this talk is to sort of dive in. Has, you have so much content out there. Yeah. Um, educational content, uh, informative content that people can dive into on a wide range of topics. So what I'm interested in is more the human element behind you and how you became who you are today, things that shaped you, and yeah, where you see yourself going from here. But that's just the, if you have different hats you wear, um, it'd be nice to have your mm. human uh, hat on. Okay, well, yeah, of course, I have a lot of hats. I think the most prominent hat I wear these days is the, uh, I'm going to say it within quotations, the influencer or the guru. And that's a, uh, I call her Ali al Mu'ayyad because she's not fully me. She is that character that I put out there. Mm -hmm. And when people watch you, they think you they know all of you, but they actually know Ali Al-Mayed, who's the character that I put out. Right, but right. in reality, there's a lot of other sides to me, mm -hmm. to, uh, to everybody, of course. But I think to me specifically, because what a lot of people don't know is that I am actually a, a, an extreme introvert. Mm -hmm. And I grew up very, very shy and, and not interested in cameras. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I didn't think I was able, I would be able to do all of this. Ironically. Yeah, um, because the moment I go into oh, they're watching me, then it becomes uncomfortable. But they're not watching me. They're watching the message that I'm bringing out. Um, so, yeah, so that's one of the, the main hats that I wear. But, of course, then a mother, a wife, uh, a daughter. I, you know, you're, I'm at the age where I'm taking care of my children and uh, looking after my parents as well and making sure they're happy as well, making sure, you know, you have this cohesive family going on. So it's, it's a lot of roles. But it makes that complete person in the end. Right, and right, right. I am, to be honest, the most me when I'm alone. Beautiful, beautiful. What, uh, what do you like to do when you're alone? What, um, where does that take you? I, I spend a lot of time, um, I spend, uh, this year specifically, I spent yeah. a lot of time in meditation. Mm -hmm. Like hours and hours and hours. Mm -hmm. um, to discover who I am in this storm. And, um, but I like to read, I like to dive into the human psyche of what makes people tick, what, what shapes psychology, where, why do I go there when I go there, for example, psychologically, when I'm 
um, when I'm feeling certain emotions, why did I feel those? Did mm-hmm. this bring up an old issue? Is this related to the dream I had the other day? Is this so? There's a lot of analysis of the human psyche that I do. That you think, why are you doing all this? <laughs> Can't you just relax and watch Netflix? <laughs> and I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I actually, I feel like if I have time, I would spend it. Um, uh, thinking about the state of the of the world, mm. uh, that sounds very deep, I know, but mm. but it is it is my truth, and it happens to be where I'm at at the moment. Ask me again next year, I don't know, but this year really brought out a whole other dimension. I have always had it, but mm. I think it deepened it mm-hmm. this year. Deepened it. Yeah, has that um, having that ability to stick like take a step back from the yeah. daily actions of life in that place of silence yeah. reflect on your past try to see how you fit into the bigger picture yeah is is really important and i feel like that that really shows in your approach to nutrition to health actually in general it's not i feel like it's your approach is very um it's like a, a cohesive what's the word i'm looking holistic. for a holistic yeah. a holistic yeah. approach you're not looking at what is um, the symptom here and how can we mitigate the symptom so what's the root cause of the symptom yeah. what are issues that might be causing that whether it's relationships whether it's stress whether it's yeah. um, allergies all these things uh, that's, that's yeah, interesting yeah because somebody could have uh, yeah definitely the, somebody could have reached because you said allergy or somebody could have reached like you might have two people with allergies, mm-hmm. but they might have gotten there in completely different ways, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. just said. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody might have gotten there purely on an emotional level, like mm-hmm. they panicked and, and their stress messed up their immune system. Uh, somebody else might have gotten there purely because of a like a, a zinc deficiency, you know, mm-hmm. so it's physical. So this is where the confusion started for me as well. You see something that looks like it's uh, easy to address, and you say, okay, you have X there. Y has always solved it. Y solved it for so-and-so. And you give them Y and Y doesn't work for them because their humans are much more complex. And that's what started me into this. Okay, what does the psychology play? How does it play into it? How do I make sure that this is addressed on all levels so it doesn't come back? Because, you know, humans are not so simple that you say, oh, one deficiency will solve it. They are so complex. Mm-hmm. Even a thought that you're having now Mm-hmm. might start affecting the acidity of your blood and the level of your immunity and, and all of that, you know. Right. So how do I not take that into consideration when you're healing something that someone is suffering with? Beautiful. So many topics come to mind as you're talking. Yeah. I, I want us to um, sort of um, go like go down sort of a, a narrative or a backdrop of your life and how things... Um, how you developed into who mm. you are today and where you are right now. And, and then maybe we can, if things, interesting things come up along the way, we can explore okay. those. How, how do you think your, your parents would describe you as a kid? Uh, quiet. Um, maybe, to be honest, uh, I asked them that recently because I'm working so hard on myself <laughs> and my own improvement. And I said, how would you describe me? And I think that quiet featured significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed very little maintenance, very little attention. Uh, 
I think maybe if I were to like really analyze, maybe stubborn would be a word they would use. And uh, like if I have my heart set on something, I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. Because even where I am today, the odds were very much against mm -hmm. me getting here. Mm -hmm. But I, I, think I'm, I think they would say I'm stubborn also. <laughs> What else they would say, I will leave it between me and you because God knows. Um, Did you give them a hard time? I don't think I did. I've, I, I was difficult as a teenager. I think not in terms of, oh, I was partying and going out. I was just very complex. Mm. I was complex mm. and I didn't feel understood. So I am different. I don't fit in, as you can see already. I don't fit in to the norms. Uh, I don't fit into the typical box. And... I think it's difficult for somebody who's very different from in my all my ideas, even from the beginning, to to feel understood. Mm. You know, so I didn't feel understood. But I think nothing more than the like the average teenage mm. uh, thinking or rebellion or whatever okay, you want okay, to call okay. it. But but I really did feel different, and it didn't feel like I wanted to be anyone else. I didn't want to. Like, I didn't want to abide by the norms. and the, Like, for one thing, I, my hair was curly and I wanted to keep it curly. And I was constantly told not to keep it curly and how it's so much prettier when it's straight. And, and I stood my ground with the occasional blow drying and straightening. <laughs> But I stood my ground in spite of the comments, not, not just from my parents, from, from the whole of community. I mean, now there's a whole like curly hair resurgence now, but right. it wasn't right, right. when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, you know, it wasn't. Well, the 80s, you could argue, was curly, but it was horrible curly. Like, there was an ugly phase of curly in the 80s. But I just, well, I, I think I was trying to be myself yeah. in a community that was trying to make me right, someone else right, or was right. trying to push me in this, in this box. Yeah, I, 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 know, I feel like it's, it's, it's a lonely place when you're, when you're a bit different and you accept, accept yourself yeah. in that place. And, and I feel like a lot of people... Uh, myself included, would rather sometimes go with the flow um, or go with the trend to feel like they're yeah. part of, of something. Uh, what do you think ma made you step out like, or, or feel different uh, back then? Uh, what made me feel different yeah. back then? Look, I, I, I was different. But I didn't have the maturity to realize that that's what I was feeling. Mm. I didn't think that it was just a... Again, we're talking about an, a time when there wasn't social media, right. there wasn't all these self-improvement gurus, there wasn't... You wouldn't open your phone and, and, and see all these quotes about be yourself. And um, So I didn't have the maturity to know that this is just me being myself. So there was a lot of resistance even from within me. Why am I like this? Why do I? Why can't I just do it the way everyone else is mm. doing it? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the main thing that made me stood out is I think um, just not wanting to do the over socializing. Over uh, again, you're talking about an introvert mm. that wasn't uh, raised as an introvert. Mm. You know, it was an introvert that was that was even by schools and the academic system. It was all the efforts were geared towards removing you from your right. introversion and right, taking right, you right, out. Right, right, right. 
So because when, when that constantly happens to you, you think that that is the better place to be. So I worked so hard on that to the extent that I can now speak to a room full of a million people. <laughs> but it's not my nature. It's yeah, a skill it's, it's, that it's, I forced myself to learn. Right, right, right. And I can be in front of the camera now because I thought that coming out of my shell was the, the thing to do. Right. And that's why maybe I spent more time on it than the average person because right. it was a weakness in right, me. Right, right. And I mean, one could argue either way, maybe it worked out in the end. But um, but yeah, this, this over-socializing, over-intrusion into your mm-hmm. life, um, high expectations of you, my high expectations of myself, it, it's, it just it creates a complexity mm-hmm. that today maybe in the way I raise my children, I... I try to cater to each personality because I see a different personality in each of them. Yeah. And I hope, I mean, they'll probably end up on your <laughs> podcast in a few years and tell you about how, I mean, how horrible I am. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you do your best, you know, with what you, but I, mm. I feel like children should be raised according to their personality, not according to the template. Mm, beautiful. And we didn't have that mm. in the 80s. And I don't want to blame my parents for it because they didn't know right and it didn't exist right right, right 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 and we have that as a bonus now as parents and and uh, although my parents are amazing and they did a really good job honestly but uh, because you asked me about how where i didn't fit mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah on uh, about introversion extroversion mm-hmm. i feel like um, a friend and i were talking about this recently and um he, he mentioned an interesting point like a lot of people I think being introverted or extroverted is not the way you're perceived by people. It's because uh, a lot of people, if they see you within a social setting and you're yes. you're the one who's very affirmative, you have you're captivating people's attention. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean. Uh, I, I, I think it doesn't necessarily mean you're an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a good test is when you go through something like that. Does it tax you? Do you feel drained yes. afterwards? Yeah. And do you feel like. I want to be alone, and and uh, and I think that's a good. That's it shows that you you might yeah. be an introvert or more further down that side. And and the flip side is, when you're alone, do you feel the urge to be around people? Mm. And uh, that was an interesting way of framing it for me. And I felt like okay, mm. I guess I'm probably more more on the introverted side. Uh, maybe more like you. Yeah, I think, uh, where is your default? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone has both. Mm-hmm. Everyone has both. Because yeah, you have and to survive. And you learn that absolutely. early on in childhood. You learn absolutely. that to survive. You have to have both. Absolutely. But yeah. I think if one were to say you have two hours to free, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Yeah. Where do you default? Yes, yes, yes. You yes. know, would I rather be alone? And and, and I've, I actually know people who say, I do not want to be left alone. Mm. I cannot be left with my own thoughts. I mm. want to be around people all right, the time. Right, right. And there's a place in society for both. Absolutely. And there's a need in society for both. There's a need for the introverts as well, because they are the creators. They are like the people who are in the dark, in the gap, who are doing the um, the production or doing the creativity. You know, you need to be... In silence to be creative yes. and I think yes. so many of us are in the noise that creativity goes down significantly mm. even within ourselves right right and I think if anything um, 2020 made 
a lot of people have to spend a yeah. lot more time with themselves. Uh, and some hated it. Yeah, I'm sure it was very yeah. tough. For it must people. be really tough yeah. if you've never done that before. Yeah, yeah, it must yeah. be really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, but either way, people are humans are are born free, mm-hmm. and nobody likes to have their freedom capped, mm-hmm. even if they love spending absolutely, time on you. They absolutely. they like to. It's just different. It, it triggered the, by free, the natural right. freedom desire for freedom yeah, you just want to fly you know nobody likes to be captive yeah, yeah, yeah. either way so as you as you kind of continue to grow older and mature how how did you how did you decide what you wanted to do next uh, did you have um specific areas of interest you're interested in pursuing study in or um things that pulled your interest and like, how did you finding i think finding what people there's a lot of stress that i feel teenagers go through now yeah. when it comes to deciding what am i going to do next it feels like this is a choice that their life hinges on um am i going to choose to go sometimes i want to follow my heart maybe my heart's here or set mm-hmm. on this but financially i want to do this or my parents say i should do this society feels like this would be better um what was What, what what do you think were some of what was going on in your head around mm. the time you reached uh, like became a senior in school yeah i don't know if i can if i can use my story as a good example because i did everything wrong i think everything just uh, and i say I wrong in a way that, I mean, that uh, it worked out yeah, yeah but i think it's so nice to get these insights because yeah. it, it i feel it doesn't really matter Yeah. Like what you end up studying, where you yeah. end up going. It's more about what you what you make of it. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so how? Yeah. So I went about like basically I reached mm. the field that I'm in now completely uh, by coincidence. Mm. Uh, if there's no coincidence, but I mean completely by surprise. It even surprised me. Um, I did not want to be in this, and it's funny how life. Um, managed the direction in a way that things that came into my path helped me now, but they weren't intended in the beginning. So when I graduated from school, I I actually did physics instead of biology, believe it or not, because I thought maybe I'll go into engineering. Wow. And imagine biology, you know, that's like my life now. This wow. is, and I still think, oh my God, I can't believe the rest of my class did biology and I didn't, and they got to dissect the frog and I didn't. And I'm the one who's now dissecting things <laughs> and, and talking about health. But yeah, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. I was confused as one is in school. And, mm. and uh, at the time it was even harder to look up majors and things because we didn't know. We had one catalog, a college catalog. Literally the college I went to, imagine... I just saw one picture of it in the catalog. I had oh never been God. there. I had never seen it. I had never visited. Yeah, back then, I must have been it, it's, it's completely... And you, we did it. Like, we didn't realize what we didn't have. So right. we just did it. So basically, I had two options that I was thinking of. Either I go into engineering, and that's why I did uh, physics. Um, or I go into languages and possibly go into translation, possibly the diplomatic route, like uh, an embassy or something. So I did... Um, I be Arabic and French mm-hmm. and in um, English of course because my studies were in English so I thought okay languages or and then as I was about to to, to um, submit my my college applications they told me my father I remember at the time bless his heart he said 
there's a new field called public relations. Um, and maybe you want to look into that. It'll be good for the company so that I can go back and work for the family company, etc. So I thought, okay, great. Public relations. And yeah, at that age, I think, did you just hand over your whole career yeah, yeah, yeah. to just something that I didn't even look it up? I didn't even know where to look it up. <laughs> there is no Google. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah. So I said, okay. So I spoke to the school counselor, public relations, applied to a few places and basically went to the one that accepted me that I thought was good enough from the acceptances, got a lot of rejections and and ended up doing public public relations and media, believe it or not. This introvert from Bahrain uh, being dropped in a big city in Boston and a huge university, I went to BU, Boston University, a huge university which doesn't even have a campus. Oh, it's spread across the uh, city. It's spread across okay. the city, one area of the city Got mainly. Yeah. Um, so I was completely out of my element. It was completely like this is like it threw me off completely. So I was in a major which required a lot of public speaking and a lot of standing up in front of the class and a lot of talking. And I was, um, of course, I was my education was in English anyway, so it's not, I didn't have a problem with the language. But when you go to the states. Even when you speak English, you feel like you're speaking Arabic. You know, there's a law, a big, like, (laughs) cultural. So you feel like I need to quickly switch to American English to to just fit, to just not look. So curly hair, dark in the States, in this huge campus, uh, living in the dorm with two girls, uh, very American, completely different from my culture, completely... And, of course, afterwards you think, oh, the best learning experience in the world. But it was challenging. (laughs) It was challenging. But I really enjoyed it. But I ended up doing something completely out of my element, which worked. Because I'm in media now. And that's what what I studied. Um, um, What was um, learning media like back back then? Yeah, interesting. We we analyzed a lot of newspapers. We did a lot of public um, press releases. I wrote a lot of press releases in my day. Interesting. Uh, Television and where television was going. It was just at the beginning of the internet, just so people don't need to do the math. It was 94 (laughs) that I went to college, 1994. So... so we, they had just started, I remember the first year of college, they said this, we have a new email system now set up in the college and you will now get your homework assignment on email. So you have to go to the lab, the science lab, in the freezing weather, in the snow, where the coat, get out of the dorm, go to yeah. the lab and the basement, log on like with a cursor and a, I don't even know okay. if, I, if you even know what I'm talking about. And then you retrieve an email which has your uh, which has your homework. And this is us going into the technology world. And I had a little PC in the in the room which had like a huge monitor that took up my whole desk. The room was tiny. So um, yeah, talking about it now to you, I feel really old. <laughs> it's like you don't even know what I'm talking about. This, uh, in many ways, I feel like you you can um, like young people can relate. Like you've adapted, the way you've adapted yes. to how technology has changed today yes. is really incredible. Yes. Um, I, I know that maybe we're fast forwarding a bit, but uh, maybe it took you a while to find the right medium. You explored, I think, different ways. and But when I look at where you are today, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, if anything, you're younger than me. 
like you're 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 like yes, thank you. <laughs> like the the in terms of i don't know understanding what young people want how they want to consume information uh, what they're looking for what they're worried about yeah you know what i think if anything and if maybe someone listening to this might it might help them i have become so detached from the medium because it's not the medium that makes you okay you are who you are with the information that you have and you just adjust to the medium so when people read books i wrote books Um, when people watch TV, I was actually on TV. Mm. When people started YouTube, not when people started YouTube, when I discovered YouTube, and, and it was at the beginning of the curve, at least in the Arab world, I went into YouTube and started doing. So that's why when people say now, because I get, and I told you this like off air earlier, but I don't know actually if I was talking to you or someone else, but um, Instagram, for example, is the medium of today, for at least for the, for the Middle East. And these days, there's a lot of like censorship on what you can and cannot say, especially when it comes to health. So I get a few warnings, your uh, account is spreading false information. And people say, oh, aren't you afraid your account will be deleted? And my response to that is that Instagram is not what made me. I existed long before Instagram and I'll exist long, hopefully long after Instagram. If they delete me, I'll find another way. I am from the generation where we used to write newsletters and send them to people. I would create a course, for example, and send out posts by the in the post, in the mail, oh. uh, advertising like leaflets of what the course is about and what you can expect and how you can register. So you have to mail them much in advance. That means you have to p- prepare them much, much more in advance. So everything that happens today with technology is a perk for me mm. because it's just, it keeps making my life easier right. because right. I've done it the hard way. And I know one of the girls, he, she's a good friend and she's she's younger than me and she's one of those um, people that got famous with social media. And she asked me once, she said, You're, you've been running retreats from 2013? I said, yes. She said, how did you get people to join? <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's true. How did I get people to join? I used to take out an ad in the newspaper fed no and write uh, so-and-so. Uh, there was no social media. So you would, I would literally hit my email list and it was small at the time. Um, and you have to hit them a few times. How, because would people you, have, how would you collect emails for that feed? Or um, they were my clients. I would have like a squeeze page on my website. Mm-hmm. So when they enter the website, it says if you would like to receive okay. my newsletter. So That's anyone, so footfall on the website and on my articles, if you would like, like I would write, I had a regular article in the newspaper and I wrote for one of the magazines in Bahrain for six years. I would write a monthly article, literally like churn out content after content written out. And at the end of each article says, for more information, go to my website. So when they go to my... So you're literally like, it's very difficult. And you value them so much because the, these are people that are hard earned, you know, right. like like some channels now, like, like, like YouTube, for example, it's harder to get subscribers than it is to get followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at then... Because it was so hard to get them, retention was higher. Right. Not I everyone was just signs gonna, up. Gonna yeah. ask about that. Now, yeah. literally, I was just looking at the numbers of this morning. I lose five to eight hundred followers on Instagram a day. A day. A day. But the number of followers that I gain a day are higher, so I'm still in the plus. 
So people are very easy to drop you. They wow. just drop you like in a heartbeat because following you was not a big deal. So, right. so this is what I say. If, if people are fickle, they'll go to the next, to the next uh, guru or they'll go to the next person. So you have to be so flexible. But again, that comes to, na- to your nature. Right. In life, I have learned and I've had to learn to become flexible with whatever comes. Beautiful. So if this drops... I'll go to the other. And it doesn't mean I won't like cry and be sad when it drops for a bit, like mm-hmm. if it did drop because I had a lot of closed doors in my mm-hmm. career. Um, I know that people will still come for content. And if they, if you have the content, they will follow you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And they have proved me right. And I'm so grateful for that. And I see it. I see it. Like, even if you have a lot of followers, don't mm-hmm. assume that they will stay. Right, right. You know, you can't assume. I never, never take it for granted that they will keep following me mm-hmm. if my content quality goes down mm-hmm. or if I start using their um, their information for like just advertising or something. You know, I really value. Um, mm. I, I love that way of thinking about it because I think it gives <clears throat> you a lot more clarity or like freedom of expression. If you feel like you're under threat yes. by the platform that you are working through yes uh, i'm sure that will indirectly even or subconsciously maybe affect how open you want to be or how yes uh, how you want to communicate things so i think having that confidence is uh, is amazing yeah and i've had that like when i was on tv there was um they always tell you these are the red lines mm, you can't talk go, about yeah. x y and z and i always thought I don't like that. Mm. I don't like that. How do I one day reach a place where I have a platform where I can say whatever I want? Mm. Because, and I still haven't fully found it, you know, Mm. every few years, it's like somebody puts a cap. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think people today that are so, um, what's the word? They're so, they see themselves as one parcel, like one, like the same part with their, social media uh, mm. account these are the people that will have the harder time right. the hardest time if it stops being there like if right. it gets pulled if the rug gets pulled from under you it's all about resilience for me you know i've fallen so many times for head i don't even <laughs> think you have enough air time <laughs> this is what happens when you interview older people i have fallen so many times that you that i realized it's it's about the how fast can you not how fast it's can you get back up or not mm-hmm. and i used to think how fast i'm gonna fix it now i don't believe it's how quickly do you want to get up because mm-hmm. sometimes when you stay down for a bit you might want to change direction mm-hmm. as you get up if you get up a bit too quickly also and i'm gonna open another account and i'm gonna start growing it from now and i'm gonna and you realize maybe you fell and maybe that got removed because maybe you need to look elsewhere mm-hmm. And um, and I can easily say it has never, never happened that something uh, like a door closed that I didn't eventually find something better afterwards. But I, we were talking about this also when I came earlier because it was the topic of one of my episodes. How do you see that while you're going through the difficult time? You can see it in retrospect. Retrospect, like hindsight, is always twenty twenty, and it all makes sense now. And I know, I know why I went through that. It's how do you see it when you are going through it? 
like when you're in the in the hole in the dark and 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 you can't see any light can you then see that maybe i'm down because i need to change direction maybe there's something else that god wants to show me that if i and if i was very busy doing this i wouldn't be able to see it for for you personally what were what were some of the greatest setbacks or times you've you've fallen really hard that that stand out to you on a career level or personal level um, there's there's a lot i mean which whichever comes to mind um career wise i think a setback that i had in the beginning um was that i didn't have i my business like from the beginning i was in hamala i had an office in hamala mm-hmm. Uh, where Burrito Loco is today, actually. Their kitchen was is actually my office. <laughs> I imagine I had that office for eight years. Okay, so I worked from there. Good I wrote, vibes, uh, I think they get all the good vibes that I worked on for many years. And it then became a restaurant, which is very interesting. But um, because my business wasn't on its feet yet, it wasn't making enough money to make rent. So I ended up sharing the office with my husband, who was downstairs, and I was upstairs. And it, there were completely two completely different uh, businesses. But at the time, the law was that you can only register one business oh, and one, one address. Under, yeah, yes, one CR yes. under one address. Yes. So it became his. So I stayed eight years without a CR, working like writing the book, creating content, all of that. So later, when you do have a CR, it looks like you're new in the business. Right. And even like like um, perks like Tamkin and stuff, they want to see that you've been doing this for longer. I don't have proof. And, and it was just these bureau, small bureaucratic things that you think, oh, if only I was... Um, if you, I wanted to create a payment a gateway, a payment system on my website so that people can buy my book on my website. It's something that sounds very, very simple. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Payment gateways were complicated, this part of the world. Can I do PayPal? Can I do... And that's still a struggle for me, right. to be honest, but it's much better than it was before. Mm-hmm. Before, So people who are complaining today, you think, no, 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 it has come a long way. It still has a lot of flaws, but... Um, mm-hmm. So that's one of the setbacks. Um, I wanted a visual platform to give my information, and I only had Bahrain TV as an option um because i wanted to, wanted it to be in arabic of course and i was always aiming for for did did, did you start in english initially or or is that um tv no you started something in english everything started in english okay, okay. everything was in english okay, okay. everything this is a whole like, other your story articles Ev- were in english your... everything was in english Fahad. i was completely english yeah, I, I so my magazine articles were in english yeah. My emails were going out to my list in English. Right. Initial my, books were all... Uh, everything. I wrote four books in English. Right. And then... Um, and I, all these eight years that I was saying I was in that office, it was all English. Mm. And then... And I always had this... There's a bigger market in the Arab world. I wish I could access Saudi. I wish I could access this. But I never had enough... Um, like it would require some work for me to convert everything. Mm. Not because I didn't speak Arabic. My, you had so much momentum going. I, think. I had yeah. momentum. I had following. I had... Um, there was a lot going. Like I was looking at publishers in India. Mm. There were, I, like I didn't feel that I was sitting on a treasure box. Mm. I And even if I did feel it, and my Arabic was strong because I grew up... I, I was in an Arabic, all Arabic school until eighth grade. So I do have a Ar- very strong Arabic base. Mm. 
But after eighth grade and an American high school and then went to Boston and then did a master's. So I started thinking in English eventually. Mm-hmm. And because my major is so technical, like when it comes to the health terms, right. I knew them a lot better in English. Right. I could switch to Arabic, but like for day-to-day things, not for the terminology, the specific terms. So it would have required too much of a switch. It would require me teaching myself a lot of things. And, and I, to be honest, I was afraid of it. I was afraid. I felt I didn't belong. Ironically, I didn't fully belong in the English world because I, why is this Arab woman speaking English? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't fully belong in the Arabic world because they saw me as this foreign educated um, right. a girl that didn't. So it scared me. Yeah. And it's scary, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I remember in um, 2010, I started doing BTV and it was live. And it was this show, this morning show that I would just uh, come on once a week and do a 15-minute live uh, well, just segment. For, for context, was this the first time you, had, you, you were sort of nudged to make a switch? Um, I, had, I used to do a lot of lectures in English. Everything was in English, okay. yeah? So once in a while... Um, like the jamia, the whatever, would request a lecture and it would have to be in Arabic. And I would do it mm-hmm. and make do with it because it was like just verbal and it was um, like army. I didn't have to like speak classical Arabic. Or it was just regular talk, but it would be, it would be, I would be so nervous. Mm-hmm. I remember going to my first uh, lecture and it was a, a charity group that wanted to just teach women in, in rural areas of Bahrain. I was sweating going there. Wow. Just beca- And imagine, this is my field. I write articles. I've written books. It's just the switch in language. Because I, I thought I was afraid I wouldn't get the word that I'm looking for. And I didn't for many years. And then TV started happening every once in a while. And the Bahrain TV slot that, that I had for 15 minutes live... Mm-hmm was so challenging. Again, not because I don't speak Arabic. The terms of health that I've learned all these years, like what? how do you say digestive system or, or nervous system or, uh, I don't know, uh, um, like irritable bowel syndrome or how do I, how do I translate all of that on yeah, the spot? Yeah, like yeah, if someone yeah. asks me, I know the answer. I just don't know how to come up with the Arabic words. Then it sounds like I don't speak Arabic, but I do. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, so Bahrain TV, I would prepare everything in advance and I would be very careful. And then the sh- live camera, and I still have some of those clips. You don't want to see them. I, should, I really should delete them. I think I have a couple on YouTube. You can tell this is somebody who's, yeah. And of course, maybe people didn't notice, but you notice. You know where, and you think, oh, I should have should have said this. And the word comes to you, of course, when you're in the car driving. <laughs> Not when the cameras are on. <laughs> Um, so between 2010 and 2014, it started dawning on me that this is not a coincidence, mm. that you have an Arabic background, you got English education, you went to the West, you got all this information, now you need to bring it back to this world, part of the world, and that you're sitting on a, on a treasure box, which is uh, Bahrain, of course, Saudi, Emirat, uh, Kuwait, uh, um, Iraq, Morocco, all these mm. places that you think... All this content exists in English. It does not exist in Arabic. And because around that time I was having some health issues, so I started really prioritizing. Instead of doing everything or a bit of everything, I started saying, okay, what does re- what really matters now? Mm. Yeah, I have to pick and choose. You can't do all of it because physically you cannot do all of it. 
and um, made my goals more concise and made them more relevant mm. and decided to switch everything to Arabic around 2014 maybe switched all my emails to Arabic literally moved changed switched them all all the like people would get email on on uh, like pre-written emails yes. that they would get as soon as they joined lost a lot of people who were saying what's happening why are you now switching to Arabic uh, no apologies it's just you, I lost that's that these are my sacrifices um, and I thought, okay, I'll teach myself how to type on the keyboard using the Arabic keyboard. I give myself six months. <laughs> wow. And that was a joke because it didn't happen in six months. It took me like three years to get much Come better on. at it. Um, and then the rest is history. Switched to Arabic and everything changed. There was this thirst for all this information. And I got to be myself because I got to have my own uh, show without having to put all that makeup and the television and you know ended up doing a bit of both for a while but that's uh, that's mm. um, many years in, in one sentence but yeah I made a conscious switch mm. which made me very uncomfortable it was really out of my comfort zone mm. and I had to reread some things and and google the words and um, like fix my my thinking a bit until I got to a place where, okay, I can actually think of, a, of, of the answer in Arabic rather than thinking of it in English. Right, and, and translating on the spot. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. And I, I think I only tapped into the old me. It's not like I came up with it mm -hmm. completely. I think, you know, when you learn a language when you're younger, mm -hmm. it stays with you, really. Mm -hmm. So I think I just tapped into that mm -hmm. and then added a bit to it. Mm -hmm. That's why it wasn't impossible, but... but right. um, but it's the conscious choice. And then people say, oh, uh, um, uh, no, I've been here for so long. I was just doing it wrong. By then, I had already been doing it for 10, 15 years. And, and, and you think, no, I'm not new. You, you just discovered me. I, I've been here for a long time. I have all the war wounds and... Everything to prove, but I, uh, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Mm. I really feel that something. Um, I, I feel like I'm making more of a difference mm. this way. And if there is no coincidence, That's why would you be born here? You know, mm. why would you speak the language? Why mm. would you? So this is the shift. So going back to the, the narrative we're following, you ended up studying public relations in, uh, in Boston. Where did the how did you end up going into nutrition? Okay. So uh, I did public relations, came back and worked for about a year in PR mm. in Bahrain. I didn't like it at mm. all. Then I got as married. As part of the family no, business? No, no, no. As part of getting experience, okay. quote unquote. Okay. I did not like it. I didn't like the office politics. I, mm. There was a lot of things that I didn't feel comfortable with. But it improved my Arabic and it improved a lot of things. Um, I got married after that so I left to live in London and we had both made a decision to do our masters while we are in okay. London and that's when I decided to do marketing communications as a master's degree mm -hmm. because it complemented the PR I didn't know any better and that's when I started taking up running and because I was running and because I was doing distance running I realized that my performance, my food was, was a disaster. My performance was affected by what I eat. So I started reading like running magazines and the basics, basics. You think, oh, it's... and I realized I was very unhealthy and my health was just 
just really spiraling downwards because mm-hmm. I was doing all this physical activity and not keeping up with the nutrition side mm-hmm. of things. I got digestive issues. I got, there was a lot of problems. My, my, literally, I was sick every other week. My, my, my immune system was down. But I really wanted to keep running. So I wanted to make sure that I'm on top of things. And, um, and I did, I, I had such a, a, I had a health problem at the time. I had problems in my digestive system. And the doctor said, oh, it's your appendix. We'll just remove it. Okay. I had my appendix removed. And then he came back and said, oh, we, dis- we went in, we, we cut you up, we went in, we discovered there's nothing wrong with your appendix. I was wrong, actually. Um, but we took it out anyway. This is a doctor in London. We took it out anyway. But you know, you really should look into your diet because your, your digestive issues might be related to that. What? And that was a wake-up call. And I'm, I hate him so much and I love him so much because he was my wake-up call. It was like, you're telling me I went through all this pain of this operation. I couldn't breathe after I got out of anesthetic. Uh, now you tell me it's just diet? So I started looking into digestive, Google, Google, Google. I don't even remember if it was Google, internet. And um, started looking all these things up. And I was like, maybe I should just do a course. Then I'm reading all these books and magazines. Did a course and then another course and then... And then fell in love with it and ended up doing a four-year degree. Wow. And helped and you dropped, myself. You dropped the marketing. I dropped, well, I had a degree. No, I had, oh, I you, you got have, the master's. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got okay, the master's. Okay, and I did the marathon, um, London Marathon 2001, just after I finished the, ma- the master's. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so I had, at that point, had to make a very difficult decision or of do I continue in public relations and just keep this as a hobby? Or do I actually invest another four years into something after having spent all this time reaching where I am today, time and money? And, and my parents invested in me. I'd be letting so many people down and, and all of that, you know? And imagine when you tell your family, they think you're, you're just like, who is this person that keeps jumping between interests and... But I knew that I loved it. And I would read book after book and they would tell us this is the this is the curriculum, these are the required reading. And I would literally get the required reading and read it within a week. All the books that are meant to be for the whole year, I would finish them in a week and read more and more and buy more. Wow. And I thought, could it be that this is what I'm made to wow. do? It just felt like yeah, this is... Yeah. It improved my running career. It improved, well, not career, my running interest. And it improved my health. Mm. And um, and that was around the time when I moved back to Bahrain and started like just giving advice to like my mom and my friends in the beginning. And it started very small. It was meant to be for me. Can you give us a, a, give a snippet or a, a brief overview? What was your your diet like? What were you eating? What was your and <laughs> what do you think was was happening to you? Why was your body not performing or feeling well? I was having a lot of bread, gluten, and I was having a lot of cheese. I was a big dairy buff. And uh, even growing up, I should have seen the signs. Like I had acne as a teenager, mood swings because of all the hormones you'd be getting. Of course, in the States, I was in the dorm. um, Didn't want to use the kitchen for some reason. There was like a mixed, there was a kitchen for the floor. Never used it. Never. I was in the dorm for two years. Not once. 
I would buy from the vending wow. machine, like maybe pretzels and a Diet Coke. Are you yeah, sure yeah. this is you? Yeah. <laughs> this is taken out of context and really come back and hurt me. And this is not me as a child. This is wow. me as a grown adult right, in college. Right, right. Um, wow. Even living in London as a runner, I would, because you'd have to have all these gels when you're running, mm. you know, to, for endurance, I would have the... The quality now, when I look back, like all these colored stuff, all this pure sugar. Lots of caffeine. In exactly. I was, anyway, having a lot of caffeine. I was, would have coffee. There was a time in college when I would have like seven coffees a day. And it was, it became the norm for me. So, and I was never a person who had weight issues because I was very active. I, so, I wouldn't change because, you know, people look at you and you think, oh, you don't need it. Right. You don't need it. And no one ever comes and tells you, you need to change what you're eating. Why would I change what I'm eating? I'm fine. I'm slim. Mm. And this, this association of slim means healthy is, is yeah. you know, dawned on me afterwards. No, you're slim, but you're not healthy at all. So, so it took me about two years to just change bare minimum because I w- wouldn't do it unless I was convinced. Mm-hmm. This is my personality. Like I wouldn't change the stubborn unless, part of yeah. You. yeah. No, no, it's not just stubbornness. It's I need to understand. Okay. Don't tell me what to do. Explain to me why. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, my approach now. I, you know, it's useless. I could tell you uh, all day what you should do. Right. You're not going to do it until it makes sense, until it clicks in your head, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I would try this and try that. And this helped the student, and 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 yeah, this is how it started. Wow. When um, earlier in, in the podcast, mm. when um, you you were you were saying that you when you're in silence and you spend a lot of time with yourself, you've been spending a lot of time thinking about the state of the world. Yeah. Where where does that take you? You know. Um, I because I I've evolved into believing that nothing happens just because it happens. There is a reason for everything. The question I always ask in meditation is, why did I choose to come to the world to be alive in these circumstances? Because I believe you choose on a soul level. You have a soul contract. And you choose where you want to come and what uh, era, in what country, in what um, family. So all the relationships that you have either help you or, or challenge you so that you become better as a soul. You've chosen all of it. And sometimes I don't question the why is it happening. I question the why did I choose this? What is it that I need to learn? Like, why do I have to be? Like, why did I choose to be at the peak of my career? Um, at the peak of my productivity also at a time when life will shut down like a child like my my 12 year old son now will not remember that much of this year and my parents they've already had their time they've had they've built their businesses they've raised their children I think my generation is the most affected by this because my children's education is in question, their happiness is in question, my income is in question, the, f- the whole future, like where do I go, what do I decide? Yeah. So why did I choose this? Yeah. Why did I choose? It's not why is it happening. It's, it's happening. Why do I choose this? And I ask a lot of these strange questions in my meditations and I genuinely uh, try to get an answer. And, 
And I got a few answers for those. I don't know if you want to go into them, I'd but I, I, I don't even know if this sounds like I'm completely mm -hmm. cuckoo, but it doesn't matter because everyone should be asking this question. It's not the, oh, when is it going to be over? You chose to be in this at this time, at this mindset also. Maybe if it had happened like maybe four years ago for me, before I had set up my internet business and my, maybe I would have been more scared by it. Like, because you haven't yet proven that you can be flexible oh, you know you it's different it, it happens to be now and the answer I got so far initially is that I I it seems that I requested to be alive at a time when there's a shift in mindset mm -hmm. I wanted to see mm -hmm. how all of humanity has a shift mm -hmm. and um really and I hadn't thought of that like I literally just I think really there needs like I wanted to see what it's like for public opinion to change so drastically mm. almost overnight mm. public thinking um, for emotions to change so drastically from like calm and happiness to fear to intense fear to mm. paranoia Anxiety, almost yeah. yeah and to see it on such a grand scale so that you don't miss it Do you see how it happened? Like, this is literally a shift in, in consciousness of the world. We are at the, the point now of, of, of switch. And I happen to be witness to this. So you move from, why is it happening to me? Why do I? To spectator. To, what if I did ask for this? Like, let's say, I, mean, I could have just made that up. You know, my mind could have just made it up. But let's humor it and let's say it's true. How fascinating is it? You know, how fascinating to be present at a time, especially to be on the other side of the mainstream, someone like me, where uh, the collective consciousness has moved <laughs> and you happen to be on the wrong side. And you think, wow, is it... You just just to analyze fear and how, how people s can switch to fear almost overnight and how people have almost handed over their emotions to others. And, and, and I'm witness to it right now because if I start getting into it of how it's affecting me, it's, it's too painful to see because I know what life was like even without mobile phones, for example. I've lived it. I, my first mobile phone was after I graduated college. Whoa. My first... <laughs> <laughs> That's not the reason. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> my kids think I'm a dinosaur. But yeah, I got my first mobile phone when I graduated college and started work. Mm. Okay. And not that there weren't mobile phones in college. There was the beginning of like right, this Motorola that opens. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not everyone had them. Mm. Certainly not as a student. I didn't have one. It's so, just hard to imagine um, life happening without one. Well, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. I'm sure, it was good. Good times. <laughs> like we would easily like go for. Like you could travel without necessarily arrived, landed. I can't uh, imagine being yes, a parent, yes, yes. doing that. But my parents would literally have to wait until I get to the flat and call them. Mm -hmm. 
And that must have been so hard, and I still tell them yeah, now. Or, I mean, or appointments how... when you go to meet someone. Yeah, yeah. This, this to me exactly. is crazy. Exactly. Like you if you're you at, agree at home. I'm sure people are were way more punctual back then. Yes, you yes. Have, if you're not there, that person's going to be waiting yeah. for you. You have no way to tell them. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, I mean, there we had ways. I'll tell you how, Math. And for example, we would, like, let's say I agree to meet her at the mall, for example. Okay. Uh, when I was in the States, for example. I'd reach the mall. She's not there. I go to the payphone. I put coins and I check my answering machine in the flat. Okay. So maybe she called me on the answering <laughs> machine, left me a message. Hi, Alia. Uh, I, I couldn't reach you, but I just wanted to tell you, if you hear this, I'm going to be coming at six, not five, Method. So, so yeah, yeah there yeah. were ways, yes, but yes, there yes. were very difficult ways. Or when we were younger, for example, we agree to meet somewhere. I don't show up. They call my mother at home. Mm. My mother tells them she left 15 minutes mm-hmm. ago or, you know. But what's nice is you can go off the grid. Right. You're completely off the grid. Yeah. Like you could go for, for spring break anywhere and you literally get on a train and go somewhere and you're off the grid. Mm-hmm. And this I miss. Mm-hmm. Do you feel very wired because of your level of engagement with... No, I don't feel... Um, no, because I have the ability to switch off. I don't feel that I am bound by it i feel sorry for the generation that doesn't um, have that yeah i think you mentioned uh, the other week um you don't you don't you don't scroll through instagram you know i don't follow anyone on yeah you instagram. don't yeah. i go in i put a post and i leave so it's it's purely putting content out there that's it became okay because it wasn't always no that no way. it wasn't always like this mm. until i reached a point where i was so mm. connected that I would literally check everyone and I know everyone so-and-so is in the so-and-so holiday. I saw her picture in the... I think, no, no, no. I want to know where they are. Yes, it's nice. But also, I don't want to keep triggering FOMO in myself, you know, which is very easily triggered. So I don't feel that I cannot do it because I have lived without it mm-hmm. as an adult. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's a shame that my kids will never have that feeling mm-hmm. or will never want that mm. feeling might not want I don't know but there's a certain joy in that and mm. being like no one mm. for a minute you know and being yeah, not connected to, to anything that. or yeah. anyone yeah so um, but we were talking about something else we, we digressed yeah I'll, I'll bring us back yeah. just actually one another thing that came to mind which is you your, your approach to health being as holistic as it is can can involve a lot a wide spectrum of different topics how do you come up with ideas and topics to share how does that creative process look like like angles angles yes for example today you were you were talking more about spirituality yeah um day before maybe you're talking about social pressure and expectations you might be talking about um getting into the flow state and music you know like mm-hmm. so many different angles because health is, is such a broad yeah. uh, topic how do you um, what's the creative process behind that like mm. it's interesting that you ask that I don't I don't know if I have a method like I, I you I used to I'll tell you what I used to do and how it changed I used to think what do people want to know what do people want to know what do people want to know and then I discovered that what people want to know if they ask me 
the questions repeat. Mm. So how do I lose weight? How do I get rid of diabetes? How do I X, Y, and Z? And yet, the things that I'm reading about, which are so fascinating to me. <laughs> so I could create a, an episode about weight loss. I see you do that sometimes. Or like you get recurring questions. Yes. Address them in Address one, them all in one in or one create one or big create topic. Or create a Q&A. Yes. Um, right, right, right. But what I'm more interested in is the, the things you're ones. reading about, the yes. things that yeah. people don't ask for, the things that are, I feel, very authentic. Yes. Um, and this is where... I, as I started accepting myself more, accepting my journey, accepting that I actually have knowledge that people want. Because, you know, there's always that voice in you that says, what do you know that you think people would want to know? You know, there's always this, the seeker who feels he hasn't reached. And this is me in a nutshell. You know, then you think, when I reach, then I'll talk about so-and-so. When I reach that... And then at one, at one point, I can't remember now when, at one point I realized... Why do I need to wait until I've reached? Why don't I tell them I'm learning this as I learn it? So it, it required a bit of vulnerability because I started, I started showing myself as the person who doesn't know and is learning rather than the guru who's talking at you. Mm. And that felt so much more natural. And it, I was so surprised that they preferred this wow. to that. You know, rather than writing a book and saying you should do this and that, which is what I was doing in the beginning in my articles and one should and one that. And I thought, why not just say I had a lot of digestive issues, for example. And this is, I tried this and it worked. I had acne and I tried this and it worked. I had panic attacks. The guru has panic attacks? <laughs> would you... Oh my God, you get sick? Yeah. I get this a lot. You get sick? You actually, you're telling me you got sick? Yes, I got sick. But how does it feel like for somebody who gets sick and does like... Yeah. So this is how it, it happened in the beginning. So as, as I started creating that kind of content, I realized my heart was much more into it. And the episode ends up being much more successful because there's like this passion behind it. Um, and now I do both. Lovely, lovely. I do both. But the, the, yeah. the, the topics closest to my heart are usually the ones that come out so much more naturally and, and they're usually out of the box thinking. And because I have an issue with like being different, I had to work on that and say, yes, this is different. Mm. And it sounds weird. Just like when you asked me today, what, just now, what did you ask of the, what did you understand from the situation today of 2020? And um, I find I still say, I know it sounds weird, but. Mm. And, and I notice you start a lot of your uh, episodes yeah. or live streams with. A, like a disclaimer. A, a disclaimer. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Uh, either, listen, I'm working through this. Yes. I'm not sure what I think personally. I. Um, um, this makes me feel vulnerable. Yeah. This makes me feel, uh, I don't know, like it's, it's very human. And yeah. I think your, this approach involves um, involving a lot of people into your own learning experience. Too, yes. Which, which um, yeah, is interesting. I feel like they... Yeah. Like, and it took me many, many years to actually create an episode because like what you know now, compared to what you knew five years ago, just five, mm. like as simple as five. Imagine I've been in the field for 20 years, mm. okay? So my knowledge has changed. My theories have changed about health. Like I used to believe in 
uh, regular uh, meals, for example, like eating small meals regularly. I don't believe in that anymore. I believe in intermittent fasting now. Well, but I have YouTube. I have on YouTube so many episodes that says eat more, eat more, eat more. Mm. And now I'm saying eat less, eat less, eat less. And there's a contradiction that happens and people pick up on it. And until I came to terms with the fact that, look, I'm learning and I give myself the right to change, to evolve with you, because you don't want a stagnant uh, expert speaking at you, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think if I wasn't evolving, then there's something wrong. So now I'm completely comfortable creating an episode saying I used to think this Mm -hmm. and this is how this is why I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think And I would leave both right out there in the ether i mean they're all dated right right. but they're both out there and it's it's okay and you know if you happen to come across that one then maybe that is the message you need to hear today Mm -hmm. maybe that's why you came you you fell on that episode Mm -hmm. you know yeah but that required also me coming out of my need to be perfect where everything is relevant that I uh, content that I have out there I, I look good in all of them I sound right it's exactly what I want to say no there's a lot of episodes that I'm not happy with and I cringe to be honest and then I heard one of those self-improvement gurus saying that if you don't cringe watching your old episodes and you then you haven't improved you're not doing something right yeah, yeah you're not yeah you're doing something you're wrong doing something, yeah. and I cringe big time <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's, I guess that's good that's painful <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So just accepting the, the the fact that I might not know it all, mm. now and I might give you information that I might change my mind. Mm. On. Wow, yeah. Hey, we we, we kind of went on an interesting uh, sidetrack. Mm. This I want to go back to the the mindset shift you were discussing, and you you specifically mentioned you feel like you're like witnessing this happen. And finding yourself on the other side of mainstream. Today, you mean? Yeah. Yes. What do you think um, puts you in that in that like, mm. in that side? I know where you're going with this. <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to go. There. <laughs> but if no, you're no, not no. comfortable. We don't have to. No, go. I'll tell you what. Yeah. No, no, no. I've said a lot worse. Okay. You know, it's very strange because as a mother. Mm. There's a saying that says a mother's a mother who's doing a search is more efficient than the FBI. <laughs> okay? So as a mother, this the search tangents that yeah. I go into yeah, yeah, yeah. because it has to do with my child mm. and the health of my child. Is there anything more powerful than that? Yeah. There's nothing more powerful. Mm. I have literally, without exaggeration, mm. have spent sleepless nights on Google if one of my children is sick. Wow. Sleepless nights. And again, maybe not all mothers do that. Mm. I do that. Mm. And I do that also because I feel like I'm in the health field and he got sick and I don't have an answer. And how is it possible that all these years in this field and I still don't have an answer? So I have to find an answer, you know, or at least Mm. like a way, at least an entrance Mm. so that I can know where to go with it. So it's funny because you find yourself in a position For example, one of the hot topics that you might be referring to is the topic of vaccines. Mm -hmm. And it it started very innocently, you know, Mm -hmm. as somebody who just heard something that it could be, that there are people who could have had side effects. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh my God, my kids took it. How do I, could it be that I, 
and then one search after another after another and you read this book and that book and then you order like six million books from amazon and then you in the end you're listening to all these experts and you think oh my god and you you do end up with a dilemma you think first of all am i going the wrong direction Mm -hmm. me just me and then am i taking all my followers in the Mm -hmm. wrong direction as well and where do I stand sure on this? It feels like a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility, always, mm. always. But the sleepless nights mm. usually start with yourself. Mm. Like, what have I done to my kids? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so then you start reading more and more and more and learning more and more and more and then naively sharing what you've learned mm. because this is what I've been doing. And then you share a bit more and a bit more, and then all of a sudden you're like on the on the other side, of like you're on the danger side. And you think, how do I get, how did I get there? Mm-hmm. It started with something very basic, which was a simple search mm-hmm. of me trying to keep my kids alive. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Right. And um, and I could say I have been on the receiving end of the side effects of that and that's why I started searching like my kids were affected by it and that's mm-hmm. why I started searching so it's not so people when they listen to you in one angle whether it's this topic or any other topic they think oh you belong to that thought right. to the so and so thought if you know me you know that I would not succumb to it my own parents did, didn't succeed at making me straighten my hair I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna follow it blindly um I have to search it. And I was on the fence for many years. And and then you think, okay, now I'm just going to share what I learned. Mm -hmm. Some people say this, some people say that, this is it. And then you get into trouble for it. And you Mm -hmm. think, wow, where are we? What's happening to the world? And 2020, I think everyone has seen that there's a big censorship. Mm -hmm. Whatever censorship that I have been feeling in the past few years, Mm -hmm. which was under the surface you know, like the bully that hits you, but when no one's watching mm. and you get hit and hit and hit and you can't say anything because no one really saw it. Mm. And anyway, you sound absurd saying it. So you just don't say anything. Are you referring and to like a video being removed? or I'm referring not. No, what? actually, no. Um, uh, uh, it used to be until this time that we're mm. living in now, this very interesting times of COVID, mm. that... Um, international platforms were not doing that we're not censoring mm. i was being censored locally okay. and told to to stop speaking about these things um, as something as simple as uh, don't spread rumors that ch- that cancer can be healed naturally mm. don't say that chemotherapy is bad because chemotherapy is healing um, of course the vaccine issue which is a very hot topic don't. so i was censored locally and literally had meetings of, of being threatened um, before everything goes public. You first get the, the, the private meetings of threats. Mm. And um, so you think, okay, this is a local issue. It's because we live in this part of the world where things are censored and you can't say this and that. And you adjust your message mm. accordingly. It's only now that things are blatantly censored mm. where literally there's a bias it's like it's like racism almost mm. like i'll only accept you if i'll accept this side i'll only accept one question, side but yeah. this side and this, the other side even, even if they're mm. if they were on your side and they got injured because mm. most of them are that's mm. how they switch mm. me being one of them so you think okay it's a preventive 
medical intervention that nobody can speak about. Mm-hmm. Why can't we speak about it? Mm-hmm. Why can't we discuss it? Why can't we read the leaflet? Like if you go requesting the leaflet, you don't get it. Mm. You're not allowed to have it. Not allowed to know what the contents of what the company are. says. Mm. You're not allowed to see mm. the side effects that the company outright says. Mm. You can go and, and kill yourself on Google and find it, and <laughs> yeah. even those are being removed now. Yeah. But any thinking person would think, "Wait, but why?" Right. Why? You know? the, and I'm sure you've, you've spent a lot of time thinking about why you're getting this sort of resistance. Um, for example, with the local, local censorship, why do you think um, there is this concern about you saying, for example, maybe cancer can be cured uh, naturally or chemo is harmful in these ways? Yeah, or to some people. Um, to some people. Mm. Um, do you think it's a genuine fear that you are spreading misinformation or do you think I don't know what um, what do you think it is um, and, and does that help you sort of shift your approach I don't know what it is hmm. I'm still uh, I don't know what it is I still spend a lot of time thinking about it and I don't want to presume things mm. because no one really knows anything um, because then you fall into all oh, conspiracy theory right and that's that's a dark that's like of... labeling you uh, yeah, quack yeah, 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 yeah. and immediately because you're quack then everything you say is discredited mm-hmm. okay so if I don't want to be quack I what I want to question like just logically mm. question it as a sane person as an educated mother for mm. example who is keen on No, 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 you can't question it. Because if you question it, then you think there's other reasons behind it. Then it's conspiracy theory. Then you go back into that box Mm, where you're quack. Right. So how do I question it without going into the conspiracy Mm. box? Yeah, I mean, I I personally, the way I look at things, like we're living in very, very, very unusual times. And I feel like to help me get a a bit of peace of mind, I want to try to make sense of what's happening. Um, for example, when I see how widespread this, how, how strongly vaccines are being, uh, COVID vaccines are being spread and enforced by governments all across the world, it makes me wonder, how, what's going on here? So I try to follow um, incentives or, mm-hmm. I don't know, things that make sense. For example, if Um, this is where recent trains of thought have been taking me. Like if uh, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, uh, (laughs) ex-president of the United States, wants to stay in a position of power, Mm. um, I can see how him sort of succeeding in helping medical companies bring out this vaccine Mm. really quickly to to help people. Um, It's might help him gain popularity. So I see that angle. And then I see, okay, the people developing the vaccines are getting this, you know, like... um, Huge paychecks. Yeah, huge Mm. paychecks. And also government saying, you know what? No one can sue you for this. You're under a lot of pressure. Do whatever you can. Um, I see the incentive there. Um, So just trying to follow, okay... This might be happening. This might be happening. 
Um, maybe then there's just with media, there's social pressure and people feel like, whoa, this is the right thing to do. And then there's social signaling. So I want to seem good to the people around me. And, and yes, and uh, I, I just, yeah, I mean, it's a fine line, I think, between mm. what's where are you go into conspiracy land and where's, um, and maybe people already think this is crazy, but um, yeah, do you feel, do you find yourself exploring, um, mm. like trying to figure out what's causing, why these things are coming up in the way they are? Well, I kind of figured them out, mm. but it's not something that you want to be discussing mm. publicly, unfortunately. And this is, again, unfortunately, something I would tell the younger people of today. It's you have to pick your battles. Mm. You have to really decide. And this is a very, very yeah. sensitive one. Yeah. Um, if you If you analyze this, you have to go back in history mm. and see that it has been done um, a lot mm. like for example I think the problem of the past was personal freedoms or racial freedoms mm. uh, the problem of the future will be medical freedoms mm. I think medical liberty is a huge topic mm. for the future because if you are not in charge of what you put into your body then can you really be free mm. um so you, it has happened historically with many other freedoms mm -hmm. that were taken and, and then the people fought back mm -hmm. and they were given back. Mm -hmm. And I think like anything that you pull too hard, it'll eventually break and it might or might not come back and it might come back to like an, an uncomfortable normal, mm -hmm. the new normal. But I think historically it's always been the resistance from the people mm -hmm. that changed things historically. I mean, from racism to everything to... Uh, where in countries where people are allowed to speak up, it's been the people that have changed laws. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So because the, the new world is a bit different and because your freedom can't be taken away from you so blatantly, mm -hmm. I have to first make you feel a certain emotion mm -hmm. so that you give me your freedom mm -hmm. rather than me taking it. Mm -hmm. Okay, And I'm speaking cryptically right, here for right. a reason. So unless you feel the feeling already and you say, save me, then I can't with this level of education and this modern world, with this thinking, take it away so easily. I can't say blacks here, whites here anymore. But if you're so scared or so what, and it's going to be, if it's not this topic, it's going to be something else in the right, future. Right, right, right. First comes the emotion. First, I have to make you feel the emotion, whether it's fear or whether, whatever it is. Right, right. Then I present you with the solution. Right. And this has been happening a lot, like even in, in the beauty industry. Mm. Like I would first have to make you feel insecure. Right. Then I sell you the magazines and the beauty and the beauty industry and tell you you need to have this foundation and that and this nose job and that, uh, those um, eyelashes and... The beauty industry is very much based... Again, that's why I'm saying you can't analyze this without analyzing mm. it historically. Mm. The beauty industry is very much based on the feeling of lack. I don't have enough beauty. I don't have enough um, like good shape. I don't have enough. I don't have enough clothes. I don't have... And look at how it's skyrocketing now and it's really mm. booming because they built, spent many years... 
uh, harnessing uh, insecurity. Mm. And now the young girls are eating it up. Yeah. Even the old girls, not just the young girls. I mean, the beauty industry, the plastic surgery, the Botox, the hair dye as an industry in itself, because I'm looking into that mm. now and going historically even into like advertisements, old advertisements mm. for hair dye were just um, like so, like feminists would die now seeing them. Like, you need to get rid of your uh, white, you need to get rid of your silver hair so that your husband doesn't see you like that. <laughs> you think, wow, the, the gender differentiation that was happening, the, you know, it's the English word escapes me, التحطيم. That would happen to the psyche of the woman, mm-hmm. like this constantly being put down, constantly being being put down, until when she reaches the supermarket to grab the hair dye, she's completely convinced she comes to you. You don't need to sell it to her anymore. Mm-hmm. You've just worked on her psyche. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it repeating now that we've discussed it. Mm-hmm. You'll see how there's is a pattern in mm-hmm. human history. Mm-hmm. Of first you're fed the emotion, mm-hmm. first you see it, feel a certain way, then I present you with the solution. Mm-hmm. And I don't present it in, immediately, I present it right, afterwards right, right, right. when you're, you're begging for it almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, like I don't know if you've read, um, 1984 is a book that, that keeps being referred to now mm-hmm. because it talks about how freedoms are taken, etc. But there's another author, uh, Huxley, if I'm not mistaken, Who, so in 1984, this, this, the, the George Orwell talks about how freedoms will be taken from you and how you will be watched and how you, but just, um, I saw, I, I, I listened to a, um, Joe Rogan was interviewing the maker of the social dilemma. I don't know if you heard that interview. I've seen, no, I watched the social dilemma. But yeah, I just, it's a very it. fascinating okay. talk that they had about the social dilemma mm-hmm. in general. But in the end, he caught me by surprise because he, he compared what George Orwell said in 1984, where freedoms will be taken, to what Huxley, I forget his first name, he also wrote a book later, mm-hmm. explaining a new reality where people were giving, giving away their freedoms Monetary. happily. Mm-hmm. happily so for example now Instagram could change their community guidelines which they have um, which takes away a lot of your freedoms and your 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 privacy and they're allowed to hack into your camera and watch what you're doing and they're allowed to um, uh, to check if you're wearing a face mask or not and report you because you have the camera of the app and you once you have the app you've already agreed to these because you hit agree and you don't even know So it's these simple liberties that are taken away. And he he refers to them as, well, Instagram made me famous. I'm on Instagram every day and I have all these followers. So take my liberty happily. And the people who will resist will be the outcasts, not the other way around. And it's a sad reality if you're engrossed in it mm. if you're just watching it it's fascinating right, right, if you're just right. standing at the top and observing what's happened mm. and because sometimes I also you know as a mother you start thinking of your kids and what's going to happen and they happen to be or even you guys I mean you're the same generation a bit um, but they also chose this on a soul level mm-hmm. they chose to be here at this time and they have to find a way I can't mm. 
put everyone in a bubble and protect them from everything. And yeah, maybe yeah, I'm yeah. wrong. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe in five years' time, I'll realize I'm wrong. I'm also open to that. Mm-hmm. I can see it so objectively that I'm happy to see the flaws in my thinking. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it yet. I don't see... It's too clear, you mm-hmm. know? It's too... It's, it's, it's too historical. Like, yes, yes, there's yes. too much baggage. And for people who feel like, you know, they're maybe not not satisfied with this, not, not content in this, this reality that they find themselves in. Mm-hmm. What do you think, what, what would you say to people like that? Mm. So explain to me, let's say you are unhappy in this reality. Mm-hmm. What about this reality makes you uncomfortable? Maybe I don't want to be in an environment where um, COVID is being used as a beaver to feed me emotions and then pressure me into taking a specific action and I I feel like I don't know this isn't a reality this isn't I don't want things to be like this mm-hmm. and do you feel that you are alone? It. I feel like it is a lonely place definitely why do you feel that? do you feel that there aren't people who think like you? Um, I mean maybe there are it's just, I don't know. Mm. Um, like, I don't know that many people. Yeah. And I think this is the problem. I think once you've... It's not that you have a certain feeling. It's that you feel alone in it. Mm. And this is where it gets um, scary and lonely. Mm. Because scary in itself, if I, have a, if I have a support group, then scary becomes bearable, mm. right? But it's scary and alone. And... The alone is also being orchestrated, mm. you know? Don't see anyone, don't, uh, don't, don't discuss, don't gather, don't... And again, I don't know if this is part of the orchestra mm-hmm. or is it just, mm. just happens to be mm. that we are also alone mm. in the most scary time. Mm. So I think your idea or one's idea of being the only one feeling what you're feeling is where it's inaccurate. Mm. A lot of people share yeah, your sense. thinking, but the mainstream is so dominant, or the loudest voices are the mainstream, because the sane ones are just shaking their head. Mm. You know, like moderates never never shout. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the problem. Mm. Moderates are not outspoken. Yeah, you hear Because them. there's no anger. There's no. You think, no, I'm moderate. I want to keep peace. I want to. <laughs> And that's there. That's not charged enough mm. for you to shout. Mm. And I think we will reach a point where. COVID or else, or Mm. anything else, again, this pattern will repeat because it has been repeating. Okay, we will reach a point where the moderates start getting annoyed. Mm. And then the cause will be charged. Mm. Is it going to be during my lifetime Mm -hmm. or not? Or yours or not? Maybe Mm. you are the change maker. It's because I believe, because sometimes people say, oh, why don't you just just be quiet and and just live your life happily, keep your accounts, keep the peace, yeah. Most of the problems in life happen because the sane ones are quiet. Mm. It's when you don't do anything and don't say anything, you're just as much part of the crime as mm. anyone else who is. Mm. So you, you don't want to kill yourself in the process, but, but maybe discussions like these, right. you know, where people think, okay, maybe I'm not the only one who thinks this is crazy, mm. you know? Maybe I'm not the only one who 
who wants to get out of the house without makeup and wants to be unjudged. I want to be to have the liberty, which, for example, men take for granted or simple things like that. And you realize you're not the only one. You're not the only one. There's yeah. probably an underground community for everything that you can think right, of. Right. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way of putting mm. it. The, um, you, t- you, touched, you touched on an interesting point, which, which I'm putting a few things together. So you've been in this industry for about 20 years. Oh, uh, that's yours, yeah. For about 20 years. And you've witnessed a lot of change, even in your own personal views about what it means to be healthy, different approaches. Yeah. And um, you mentioned how in, in the future you foresee uh, certain things changing in a certain direction where um, medical liberties are sort of taken away. Based on, do you have any, where, any other trends you see happening in the future mm-hmm. or movements? For example, um, fasting has become huge recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, where where do you, do you see things? If you had to make a prediction Just about where things are going, um, or or whatever whatever you've yeah. been thinking about, I see the gray hair movement mm. as a movement of the future because I think in my mother's generation, mm-hmm. it's unthought of, mm-hmm. like no way. I, and I what are you thinking? Too, yeah. yeah. In my generation, it's like this, should I, can I, could it be that I possibly could? And I, in my, in my daughters, like if I speak about it to my daughter, this is the generation of I'll do what I want, my body, my choice. It's not as much of a dilemma to them as it is to me and definitely not as it is to my mother. Yeah. So I see, um, again, it's all about liberties. Mm. The trend is all towards liberties. Mm. And the more you confine people tighter, the more it becomes about liberties. Mm. I want to be able stronger to... the backlash. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So even now with social media, you see the the harder the censorship, the more people will go into freedom platforms mm. that promote right, that. Right, right. So, so interesting the shift yes, overnight. Yes, yes. From overnight WhatsApp people to, will shift to signal like everything, know, or everything other, to yeah, on yeah, any yeah. other any platform. And I think platforms that are now very big. Um, who are taking it for granted that people right. will stay? They don't realize that people can leave anymore. They can yeah. drop you in a heartbeat. I was surprised how quickly yeah. things changed. Yeah. So I think liberties is the trend, is mm. the theme of the future. Even like there's a, as there's a, there is a bit of a comeback mm. of I want to go off the grid. Mm. Uh, to the extent that there's like retreats well until recently there were retreats where you go off the grid and and you know you have peace for a week and mm. going off the grid is a big thing so yeah, no tech retreats no tech retreats yes. so there's a movement even against like electric cars and things like that because you'll always be watched if you're in a tech car mm-hmm then you can always be on the grid. Mm-hmm. You'll always be on the grid. And of course, there's people who are saying, oh, that is why they're doing them. And no, really, in reality, no one knows why they're doing them. Mm-hmm. But you will be more gridded as you move into the future. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing to be, or the the niche, or the group like me and you, who are maybe um, outliers, will be the people who will think, no, uh, this comes first. Mm. Liberties come first, mm. and again, it's it's a historic pattern. 
Yeah. Liberties yeah. have always been fought. It's the only consistent thing <laughs> historically that has mm. ever happened consistently and people are still fighting for freedoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's going into the into your personal life. Mm. Like now you have, I don't know, for example, you have to have your temperature checked, for example, mm. at the restaurant or at the airport. Maybe in a couple of years you have to do like a stool sample to mm. buy an airplane ticket. Are you okay with that? Yeah. How do, how okay with things are we? You know, because they think, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, it's just a mask or it's just a so and so. Come on, it's just, just, just. Right. And but there's... it's always. Again, I'm being very controversial here, and I don't know how this turns out. It's all your fault, and I'll blame it on you. <laughs> but freedoms are never taken. Mm. Blatantly. Right. They're Things always so taken gradually. gently. Mm. It's always gently. Mm. Um, right, right, right. And I completely understand how, like, if you look at one act mm. uh, in itself, like the, the taking of temperature, might not be such a big deal because of what it represents in the bigger scheme yeah. or, or the direction it's going in. I can see why it's, it's uh, concerning. And if you start fearing your own fever, which is the main thing that gets you out of illness, it is the best weapon that you have, that humanity has always used. You start fearing it because it's inconvenient and it'll stop me from traveling, it'll yeah, stop yeah, me yeah, from yeah, yeah. that. Or finding ways to, to suppress it yes. in order to keep going exactly. through your life. I mean, just last year, well, when are we now? Just 2019, I was on a flight back from Amsterdam with a congestion from hell and a fever. And to think that just a year later, you wouldn't even dream of being on a flight with a, with a congestion. And, yeah. and it's sad because that's how cancer heals. That's how viruses heal. Mm. They need the heat. Mm. Um, and that becomes your stigma now. If you have a fever, oh, you're the one who, who messed up the whole class or the school, for example, mm. has to shut down because of you. You're, imagine, as an adult, I can't break that down and comprehend. Imagine a child. Mm feeling guilty for getting sick for something that they have totally yeah. no control over. Yeah, um, you feel guilty. You start yeah. resenting your own body. You resent your own fevers. This is a, a huge psychological effect that we haven't even begun to see the consequences of. Yeah. You rejecting your own natural immune mechanisms for um, maintaining peace in society. Mm. You know, I'm allowed to have a fever. I allow myself... To have a headache, I allow myself to have COVID, to mm. be sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it's 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 really interesting to see how, like, these the trends that you know this direction that health is going in, or or authenticity, how yeah. people are expressing themselves differently now. I remember when uh, so I spent a few months in Saudi, as you know, and a lot of I was surprised by how many women in their 20s and 30s were ve- so comfortable in like streaks of white hair and really? you yeah, saw a lot of that? quite a lot oh, and wow. um, I was I found it like I was like wow this is it's yeah. beautiful yeah it's yeah, beautiful yeah. to see um, like a woman that comfortable mm-hmm. with 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 aging with yeah. herself with um, like it's a level of confidence I, I, I wasn't like we're not used we're to we're not it. used yeah. to yeah. yeah and and um 
it's I found it really pretty. It's just like yes. like highlights in her hair, yes, you know. Yes, yes. Um, but I think we're yeah. So that that was interesting. But also on the other mm-hmm. side of the spectrum, I saw a lot of um, um, what's the word like um, I don't know. Some people didn't look natural. Um, like enhancements. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, that's. I mean, I feel like with in this day and age, with the amount of um, social pressure and how that's amplified with platforms, picture-based yeah. platforms, uh, is putting a lot of pressure on young women, especially to look a certain way, and. Uh, Yeah, it worries me a bit to see how yeah. that's affecting how a lot of. Um, I, I mean, I, f- I found it more common in Saudi than I did here. A lot of women look mm. I, very similar. Like a template, yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah. So, do you feel that it's uh, social pressure or is it upbringing? Like you are brought up a certain way. Do you mm-hmm. find that you will look at Instagram and change your decisions on how you look based on Instagram? Or do you feel that it's because you have a certain um, comfort or, or, or self-confidence, a specific certain mm-hmm. level of self-confidence that you wouldn't be affected by it? Like, yeah, which I, I mean, I feel like, um, like uh, maybe similar to you, I, uh, I I disconnected from social media for a while mm. when I was abroad. And when I came back, I realized I want to be very selective about how I use this. Yes. And I, 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 I never dive into these like uh, yeah mm. so I, I don't think I'm even exposed to that luckily but um, I mean I feel pretty comfortable in my own skin I yeah. want to be more authentic um, around I feel very comfortable around friends and family but I want yeah. to be more authentic in society and in, in my life in work and yeah. um, something I'm actively working on But um, I'm not sure for others that I see, like that I came and interacted with in Saudi. I'm not sure what it is. Um, mm. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think it is? I don't know. I think the um, again, if we go to the beauty industry, they first created mm. the the need, the lack. Mm. Yeah, but then that has another effect because if if you are talking to somebody who has no facial expressions, mm. for example the level of connection that you will have with them will never reach its full potential. Mm-hmm. You'll always, because, you know, we, we, we relay a lot of our emotions in our face and how you relate to me and I relate to you is based on how you act physically and how you look also. And when you, like when I relate to you and say, oh, and then you see a few lines yes, yes, here. Yes. And Even subconsciously, I, yes. I interpret these signals and feel comfort exactly. in seeing these signals. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So there's something called the, the polyvagal theory, which is exactly that. So if you're crying, my um, nervous system on the inside picks up on your facial expressions to understand not just the fact that you're crying, to understand your emotion and be able to empathize with it. Mm. Okay. So what is happening, I think, now is that we have all these, like, plastic-looking faces. Mm. So we never fully connect with them. Mm. So our nervous system stays unsure mm. about you, but you look perfect. Mm. So you have perfectly symmetrical eyes and you have a perfect nose. But I'm not fully sure about you. 
uh, therefore I can never you can never connect to me genuinely authentically so you will never win my heart because mm-hmm. I came to you on a surface level mm-hmm. I understood you on a surface level I followed you on a surface level so you never got to my heart mm-hmm. so all these people in public who are in that and I don't want to put down anybody's choices it's your choice in there but we have to understand the effect it has mm-hmm. you gain all these people on the surface which means you can lose them very quickly again because you never reached their inside. You were never able to speak to their hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's happening with children more and more now Mm -hmm. where they can't relate to faces that Mm -hmm. don't have expressions because their their nervous system stays um, disturbed almost Mm -hmm. because I can never fully read you Mm -hmm. if you're not showing me your whole expression. I can never fully read you. And based on fully reading you, can I decide then if I'm comfortable with you or not? And children are very much intrinsically mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you know? So they have to read your expressions. So, ch- you know, children don't speak when they're born, but right. they learn so much from how you reacted to what they did on your face. Um, and this is what's happening now because a lot of people look fake. And now even because of the masks, children will always be, like the, the nervous system will always be Hesitant. It will mm. always be unstable. Mm. So we might have a whole generation of instability mm. Um, mm. On, a, on a mental level mm. because I can't read your face fully. So that has a lot of cons. Like I don't yeah. just see it as, oh, she feels pressured, she did this. It has a whole other effect on society, right, you know? Right, right. So maybe... Maybe people will be able to relate more to men than women. Maybe mm. they are already relating to more mm. than to more to men than women. And at the same time that we're fighting for women's liberation and women's rights, and maybe you're making it worse mm. because they can relate to him fully because he is in his full expression mm. with his wrinkles, with his silver <laughs> hair, with his mm. all of that. He is more comfortable. You as a nervous system meeting this person is more comfortable with the genuine than the fake. Mm. So you're automatically disempowering women actually by selling them more of these uh, procedures and, and mm-hmm. um, what do you think is at the root cause of this I mean I see and I've heard of so many uh, for example wives whose husbands tell them you're okay I love you the way you yes. are I do not want you to get this done mm. but um, the, the wife would say no I'm doing mm. this for me Like mm. I, I don't want it's okay. I, I just want to get this done. What What do you think is going on there? I think it has to do with the upbringing. Hmm. We're, we're constantly told we're not enough. Hmm. We're constantly told we're not enough. Leave the upbringing, hmm. the education system, Fahad. Hmm. Do you work on, like when you're in school, on, or when children were in school at least, would you have to work extra on the subjects that you excelled at or on the subjects that you weren't good at? Mm, so you weren't good so at. You, they're always focusing on what you're bad at. It's mm. not the three A's that you got, it's the F. Mm. So you, you're always mm, like putting a big circle and a double line under everything that I'm bad at. That's fascinating. You know, and, and um, so you're beautiful. But just, if you just change your nose, you would be complete. <laughs> mm. Complete in whose eyes? And again, like I said earlier, you don't have the emotional and mental maturity at a young age to know that what they're saying 
is BS. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't yeah. have the ability to decipher that no, I'm complete. And they're just saying that because of social pressures. You don't. Mm. You don't. I, I remember um, as a kid growing up, I always felt that people older than me or adults had everything figured out. Yeah. And I feel like as I grew older, I realized no one has any idea what's going on. Yeah. Pretty much. Like we're all, all trying to figure things out. And I wish yeah. growing up uh, that was more apparent to me. Yeah. I actually, believe it or not, sometimes say that to my kids. And I've gone back to a few incidents where I've gotten it wrong and I've apologized to them what, what do you for say? it. For example, I made you do this. Mm. Um, but I made that decision based on the knowledge I had at that time. Well, looking back at something Yeah, yeah, did. looking oh, back. Wow. Uh, and I want to say that I'm sorry for that because wow. I did that based on where I was at that time. Wow. And of course, you have to be careful because children can walk all over you if you show too much, uh, yeah, you've made too many mistakes. And, but some things I feel strongly mm, about saying, mm. yeah, maybe not even just for them, but also for me. Wow. To be able to say, I goofed. Yeah. I thought this was the right decision. It mm. wasn't. I should have done X. And they're always like, oh, mama, you're just over, you're always, that's fine. It's for you to, to get hey, that I just needed to say it. Did mm-hmm. you hear it? Mm-hmm. I just needed to say it. Right, right. Yeah, I remember my, we had a wall in my room where mm. my mother used to put any certificate of excellence or used to go on that wall. Mm. And one day it just wasn't there anymore. And then um, I remember ask, talking about this with her. She was like, yeah, I... Excellence. I, that's not something I believe in. I yeah. do not... Like, I realized I was... Like, it's just, it's not in line with her values anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, And I really, really appreciate her saying that to Mm -hmm. you because very few mothers would. Mm -hmm. And um, as as an (laughs) ex-perfectionist, I totally relate to it. I've had to teach myself to, to stop, to stop this perfectionism. It just kills you, you know, Mm -hmm. after a while. There was a time when I actually... Uh, I had a huge vision board going in my bedroom and mm-hmm. and after I got sick one year and I start, just felt really overwhelmed by my own goals. Wow. And I had this like Bollywood moment where I went and I removed everything from the vision board and I was just the relief. Wow. I was pressured because it, it was in the bedroom so I would look at it every night before I go to bed. And every this day when is you wake this up, is it's there. yeah affirmations and you know set goals and intentions and all of that and it just wasn't happening. And being a perfectionist, how do I make this happen? It has to happen. This mm-hmm. is the goal. And I remember that that incident where removing them, the relief, the relief. It's like the day I just unfollowed everybody on Instagram. <laughs> As rude as that sounds, the emotional relief that I had, you don't realize how much of your choices Mm. are pulling you down. And we keep saying, um, social pressures, my parents pressured me, my domain pressured me. No, it's you pressure yourself. Mm. It's you pressure yourself. What if you had nothing to achieve? Mm -hmm. And what if you can just be completely open? You can still work, but you don't need to to have these milestones that are like a whip, you know, they're mm-hmm. constantly whipping, you're whipping yourself in the process. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, yeah, a big 
Oh, a big relief in that, even for the child. Mm. To just, you don't need to be perfect for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, when, I, when I speak to people uh, like you or get to know people who um, I feel like are, are very, like, uh, are, are succeeding and doing something right, I try to find patterns in their way of thinking mm -hmm. to um, break things down for myself and find ways I can apply maybe mental models or frame, frameworks that they use to see the world and learn from things. And just reflecting on our discussion, yeah. um, as we start to wind things down, I feel like a, a mental model that you've brought up several times and have given you a lot of insights, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is you is stepping out of yourself and making sure you look at the bigger picture. Yeah. I think it's so easy to get caught up in inside like you know your day-to-day -day routine and life and things and momentum pulling you but when you step out and, and look at the bigger picture I feel like um, that's where you get unique insights and, and a unique perspective mm. on, on things so um, yeah found that interesting mm. Mm. Are, are there do you feel like there are, uh, and it's okay if nothing comes to mind, but other mental models or frameworks mm. you feel like um, I'll give you the term help you, like, uh, there's a lot of information. Mm. How do you filter through information and find meaning or find, uh, mm. like, make sense of things? Uh, thinking of the answer that I can give you, it'll sound very preachy. So I just want to first say that I've gotten it wrong so many times mm -hmm. and I still get it wrong because I still catch myself in that. This is my disclaimer. Because I know how that could sound that mm. I found when I. And this is not me justifying it. This mm. is just me saying that it's okay when when one fails at that model that mm. they've created themselves. So I'll tell you what worked one of the years when I, when everything fell apart and I realized I was pushing myself so hard. I was trying to raise three children and have a career and build a business being entrepreneur and still survive in a society that expects social duties out of you. And it was, it was a bit much. And I got sick that year and the added pressure of the illness with maintaining all of that, it was a juggle act that just broke down completely. So so I removed all my goals and I just, just decluttered, remove, 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 remove. I think, okay, I'm in this place where I'm, you know, barely anything. And then very interesting things started to happen, which were completely unplanned for. So more interesting pathways opened up that I hadn't seen, expected, or intended, or even strived for. Mm. And I realized, could it be that it was me who was in the way of that? Mm. You know, so so I, I after many months of, of thinking about it, I, I came to the conclusion that my goal is not to, my goal is not to create the way that I want things to happen. My goal is to have the end in mind, if you were to start with the end in mind, and then allow God to see what's the best way of taking me there. And 
And it just, it got so much more interesting. It got so much more interesting. I literally, I started projects that I would never have dreamt of doing. Mm. Wrote books that I never thought, I mean, writing a book in Arabic, no way. Um, you think, wow, how interesting. So my goal now is when I, when I meditate like uh, on a goal or at a certain time, like in a New Year's or something, I don't do goals anymore. I just work on having enough stability to get out of my own way mm-hmm. so that you have enough stillness that you step aside mm. and you let it take you. Mm. Um, and I know... How, how do you know when to fight uh, an obstacle and when to let it divert you? I stopped fighting. Mm. Uh, fighting requires a lot of energy. I don't have it, to mm. be honest. I think I'm too old to fight. I used to fight mm. a lot. Uh, not too old in general, but like I've done a lot of fighting, mm. like fighting for a cause or fighting for to keep things the way they are or fighting to keep friendships even mm. and relationships. If something doesn't want to work and you've knocked on the door three yes, or four yes, times yes, and it still hasn't opened, uh, if it's not opening, mm. then it's not the door, you mm. know, just find something so else. So I guess you find yourself f- f- going with the flow yes. as opposed to being hard set on a specific goal or target yeah. and fighting for it no matter what. Yeah. So detaching mm. from, like even creating a project and detaching from it. Mm. Like, for example, the first book I wrote, it's called I Want Healthy Kids. And I, it took me two years to write it. And it, it was such a struggle. To, to publish it was a struggle. Mm. To write it was a struggle. Mm. To translate it was a struggle. To make money, I haven't yet made a cent out of it because I've had to invest so much into making it. It was a struggle too. You think this book just doesn't want to happen. Mm. It just doesn't want to happen. Just mm. drop it. Mm. Just leave it. And then I left it and just just dropped it. <laughs> and then just last year, this publisher comes and says, we want to reprint it. I think, wow. All this time that I spent fighting for this project, it was published initially in 2007, and then it died a slow death over many years. And it did very well. But it died eventually, and I'm trying so hard to revive it, and I knew all this work that I put into it. And and then I was like, you know what? Let it be. Just kill it. Just leave it. So if if I'm going to be worked up on every single project, and I've done a lot, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be very, very difficult. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have been able to keep up physically Mm -hmm. with the amount of goals and projects and things that I was attached to. Mm -hmm. And... It just doesn't want to happen, doesn't want to happen. A relationship doesn't want to happen, it doesn't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a, 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 a trip, dying for it, doesn't want to happen, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just much easier. It's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Can we travel this year? It's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to stress about it. Mm-hmm. It'll kill me in the process. And I'm at the age, well, I keep saying my age, my age, I'm, I'm, I'm 44. <laughs> But I am at the age where I want to enjoy the rest of my 40s. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. So you still believe in things and you stand right. Uh, I stand my ground when it comes to my value system, you know. But um, I don't fight like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, do you, um, where do you see yourself uh, 10 years from now? I don't know. 
And you're, you're completely open to where that takes And you. I'm so, if I had not attached to what happens <laughs> in 10 years, I'm telling you, seriously, like even if I, if I start a new project, like, like if I start reading about um, like a specific type of meditation or a dream therapy or whatever, and I get really into it and I see my pattern. I see that I am so excited about it that I could easily read nine books in a week and start implementing things. And and this is the personality that has now learned to pull back out of mm. that. It'll happen. I can be on the road for it to happen, mm. but I'm not attached to the when and, or the if. Beautiful. And that requires work. I don't claim to have reached that yet, but this is an ongoing effort on my part to to stop that in my personality, mm. to not do it. So people ask me, for example, why did you stop running? Because uh, I used to be a runner and I ran for a while. I run, ran even into my pregnancies. And my answer is that running is the easiest thing. It's just sitting still. For me, that's the challenge. Because I'm always running. I'm running in my head. So if you're physically running with it, then you're actually matching your own thought pattern. But if your thought pattern is running and you're sitting still, that's where the challenge mm. comes in. So I don't, I mean, of course, I don't, uh, I don't mean that running is easy and I wouldn't even be able to run to the end of the road anymore. But I found my challenge at the time mm. was more the sitting still mm. than the running, than the being active. So I do a bit of both now, but the meditation and the stillness is still more challenging. Mm, beautiful. Um, towards the end of the episodes, I like to wrap things up with um, kind of rapid fire questions. Ah, okay. Yeah. If, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to tell guests just feel free to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Um, okay. I'm more interested here in like the, the, the gut response. response rather than a well thought out uh, response. Um, what's your favorite book? so difficult no wait wait Wait. (laughs) no I have a book in mind that I cannot share because it's very much about spirituality and it might be a bit um, Mm. it was a book that changed me a lot Mm. Um, but I can tell you that these days I'm reading a lot about uh, lucid dreaming how Mm. to I told you we've discussed this before Mm. but how to become awake within your dreams so that you can access your subconscious what do you think, uh, as I think of asking you this question, mm. I, I can think of a million ways you could respond, but um, feel free, whatever comes to mm. mind. What is a um, strongly held belief that you have that you think most people would disagree with? Oh, <laughs> These are so complex. Wait, wait, ask again. What, sorry. What's a strongly held belief that you have? Something you 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 believe is uh, to simplify it something you think is true that you think most people would disagree with yeah okay I think maybe that illness is your body's way of reaching optimum health mm. uh, the body mm. creates illness and it looks like an illness to you but it's mm. your your body's way of, of reaching 
a better optimum. Mm, interesting. And I think a lot of people would disagree with it's that. So it's stark contrast. To they Western see it medicine. as the, the body falling apart, mm. but it's not. It's actually a a call for for. Mm. It's moving towards health mm. through that illness. Um, um, what do you think is the most when you think of look at um, people struggle with health in many different ways? Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most common struggle? Mental. Mm. It always starts with the mental. Mm. So it can start with an idea or a fear. Mm. And if that idea or fear has baggage from your childhood, mm-hmm. then it becomes so much more. Mm-hmm. But it's not physical, it's the mental. What did you have for breakfast today? I didn't. I had a smoothie. I didn't yet have like a meal. I had a berry smoothie. And I had the green juice that I just mm. had with you now. Nice. Uh, this is sort of a, a selfish question, um, which I guess can provide insights into mm-hmm. sort of you as well. Um, who do you think would be an interesting guest for me to bring on the podcast? Mm. In Bahrain or in um, general? It could be anywhere. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do enjoy more... Um, conversations with people who've had a bit more experience in life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think a person who has been in their field for a consistent number of years, because mm-hmm. you can easily create a project. It's the con- continuity of it. That, right. that and the depth of, of knowledge and insight the, that comes the, out. The staying in it mm-hmm. and persisting in it in spite of the maybe you'll go broke, maybe you'll... Mm. These are the stories that I'm interested in. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For everything that you do. And yeah, had a lot of fun. Thank you, Fahad. I was actually nervous for a few questions. uh, Thank you so much. uh, Your questions are amazing. Really, really deep. Thanks. Alrighty, this brings another episode of Fahed Goes Bananas to a close. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know the drill. If you like what you heard, give me a rating, share it with your friends, with your family, anyone who might benefit from this, and see you next time.